Today, we're going to be turning to a message on specifically focusing on one verse of Scripture, John chapter 16, verse 33. I read it to you to open and welcome you to the service today. We'll turn back and read that in a few minutes. But I want to begin with this question. Uh, in, in Hebrew, there's one essential word or phrase that you need to know for both welcoming and saying farewell, for both greeting and farewell. Do, do you know what that word might be? Jimmy needs to remember that word because he's heading to uh, Israel, actually, I believe tomorrow. Is that tomorrow? All right, so J Jimmy Harden is going to go over there and uh, do a little bit of uh, site overview work and some other connection work and maybe be cleaning up for the U.S. delegation that was just there in Israel, perhaps. I don't know. But anyway, what would be the one word or one phrase I'll come back to that in a minute, but I also want to ask you this question that I asked you to begin our service today as well. What will you leave to those whom you love? What will you leave to those whom you love? What gifts? What legacy? Let's take it another level. What did Jesus leave to his disciples with his disciples? as he prepared to die. What does he give his disciples now? What does he give you? Let's take those back in a different order. Uh, what will you leave those you love? What gifts, what legacy? You could say the best things possible in this world. That's the way most Americans think. That's the way most people think. I want to give the ones I love, a bunch of stuff. I want to give them better stuff than the stuff I was given. I wasn't given much stuff, so I want to make sure I give those behind me who come behind me, my, the ones I love, even more stuff, a better version of stuff, a 21st century version of stuff, a more sophisticated version of stuff. The, the power and the wealth and the connections, I want them to be popular. I want them to, 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 to have the access to what they need. That might be the answer. You know what? Satan offered Jesus that after Jesus fasted in the desert for 40 days. Did Jesus accept the best things of this world? The power, the prestige, the connections that Satan obviously was able to offer, at least temporarily. I mean, Jesus does not dispute that Satan is able. It wouldn't be a temptation if it were bogus. I mean, it actually was a real series of offers. Is that what you want to leave those whom you love? Basically a smaller version of what Satan could tempt Jesus with. Probably wouldn't be a good spiritual decision, but most of the most people head in that direction. That's the way they think. Foundations, stuff, all kinds of What will you leave to those whom you love? What did Jesus leave with his disciples? Well, it could all be summed up in one word. Now, that one word brings in everything else, Holy Spirit, salvation, communion, all that. But what would that one word be? And that one word is peace. For, for Hebrew speakers, that, that's a big word. Shalom. Shalom alchem. Peace be 
upon you, right? That's, and you know, it's really interesting. Like if you don't know any other Hebrew and, and if you don't know people, you certainly shouldn't be going on around talking to people that you don't already know and have a relationship with something like, you know, um, mashalom ha, mashalom ha. You, you don't go into that stuff. All, you just kind of cover yourself by just saying shalom. Even if you don't know shalom alchem, you know, you just say shalom. And you say that when you meet people. And guess what you say when you part? Guess what you say when you're leaving? Same word, shalom. We say it means peace, but it means a lot more than that. It means well-being. It fits in with God orchestrating everything and really looking in a faith perspective to God's kingdom and the age that is to come. Just like we talked about last week when he looked at John 3, 14 and 15, when Jesus says those who believe in him will have um, zoen aonion, life in the age to come. We translate it as eternal life, but, but, but it actually literally means life in the age that is to come. Now, we're going to be looking at the New Testament today. Of course, the New Testament is written in Greek. Uh, so the word here of interest is irene, um, peace. But our, our message today is this, tribulation for all. I mean, everybody gets tribulation because everybody's in the world. Victory and peace in one. Tribulation for all. Victory and peace, shalom. Coming and going in one. Who might, who might that be? Well, I hope you know the answer to that. We're talking about Jesus. And we're going to turn to one verse of Scripture to begin with today. I have some others marked, but we'll just see what we can refer to. But the central verse is this. It is the very conclusion of Jesus' instruction to his disciples on the eve of his death. Uh, John chapters. 13 through 16, intense instruction, teaching, and discourse, dialogue with his disciples. And then you move to John chapter 17, what's commonly referred to as the high priestly prayer. So we're, we're in the last verse of uh, four chapters of instruction and dialogue of Jesus with his disciples, his inner group, on the night before he dies for you and me on the cross. This is the very last verse that, that John records here. So John chapter 16, verse 33, right before Jesus shifts into the high priestly prayer. Hear now God's word. I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. So you want to be listening to the words of this message from Jesus, because this is, this is what Jesus says 
to his disciples as a group at the end of this magnum opus of Jesus' inner circle discourse and instruction on the eve of his crucifixion. And what does he leave with them? I've already told you. <laughs> What's the one word that sums it up? What is his promise for his people if we are in him? And, and the answer is peace, right? Peace. Um, so, and you need to be hearing that verse. You get the juxtaposition here, right? In the world versus in Jesus. In the world, you hear that? In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. I've said these things to you, Jesus begins by saying, so that in me, right? The, the question, really the question for you and for me right now is, are you just in the world? We all have to be in the world for a little while, right? But the real question is, are you in Jesus? It's the only way you're going to have peace spoken over you, into you, now and in the age to come, everlasting. It's all in Jesus. So let's just go through. We've got uh, several points on this, three points on this message for today. I'll just summarize. We had lots of celebration today, which is awesome. Number one, tribulation is guaranteed for all, especially Christians in this world. Tribulation, phlipsis is the, is the Greek term that's used here. That's the word for tribulation, right? It's not just troubles, it's tribulation. Tribulation is guaranteed. And if you say, well, that's your opinion, Martin, I'm going to say, no, 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 that's what Jesus tells us. You will, you, you have. And in fact, uh, it, it's present indicative there, the ekete, it, it's present in, indicative, right? So it means like now, you have tribulation and you're going to have tribulation in the world. Um, uh, you all, and by the way, that's second person plural, present indicative, like you all, you all get this. Uh, in the world, you will have tribulation. And this is especially true for Christians. Now, read a couple of weeks ago, referred to the Pax Romana. And this is like, this is a different kind of peace that Jesus is offering. But the reality is, even though in theory, in the Roman Empire, there were little civil wars and little skirmishes and stuff like this. But basically, from about 25 years before Jesus, under Augustus, um, all the way through around 180 AD, Rome was pretty stabilized. The Roman Empire was pretty stabilized. Uh, now, they had to kill a lot of people up in France and England and elsewhere to do that. All over the world, the Germans, everybody, a lot, of, a lot of your ancestors, okay, a lot of folks in this room. But, uh, and they killed a lot of Jews, too. They killed a lot of Jews in 70 AD. But, but so to speak, there was peace. Now, Jesus is talking about a different kind of peace. And, but what he's saying is, look, the reality about this world is, speaking of the Pax Romana, you, you hear what I just described? It was a brutal peace. Right? And, and that was like the best of the civilized world at the time. Jesus says, in the world, you have tribulation. Okay? He, he says, and, and look, as a Christian, you're not exempt. In fact, you get an increased dose of tribulation because you believe in me. So when Jesus is talking about tribulation here and in other passages, sometimes there's a question, is he talking about specifically about persecution, immediate, or is he talking about 
eschatological things? And the answer here seems to be both. He's talking about both in this case, in this passage. Uh, Jesus says there's a reason for this. In this larger discussion, teaching that Jesus gives, uh, back in uh, John chapter 15, verse 19 through 20, for instance, we read this. Jesus, in the middle of this teaching, after talking about the, 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 that he's the, he's the vine, we're the branches, he goes on and says this. If you were of the world, hear that? If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, Christians, you're not of the world, okay? But I chose you out of the world. That's an interesting, reformed, a little bit reformed, Mihal there. I chose you out of, I chose you. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. I mean, if you're a Christian, you're going to face persecution. It's not like, well, the random, the, the occasional saints. No, no, every um, If you kept my word, they will also, if they kept your, my word, they will also keep yours. In other words, they're not, just like they didn't listen to me, they're not going to listen to you. That's what he's saying here. Okay. Um, the majority. Jesus, at the, at the beginning of chapter 16 in, in John, we read this. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. He wants us to understand that we're going to go through tribulation. We're in tribulation. He doesn't want us to fall away from the faith because he's the vine. We are the branches. We have to abide in him. John 17, 14 through 16. I have given them your word, he prays to the Father, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. There, he's praying in the same way there. They're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. This is interesting. Jesus says, in other words, Jesus is saying, I don't ask, Father, that you take them out of the tribulation they're undergoing in the world. Now, here's what I ask, Father, that you keep them from the evil one and that you, 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 you bring them spiritually through tribulation and testing. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So Jesus didn't say that we might have tribulation. Jesus guarantees it. Uh, th that's, that's the thing we need to remember. Now, but then we're called to take heart in Jesus, the one who overcame the world. He overcame the world. Um, we can believe in Jesus. Last week, I turned to this passage. I'm going to turn to it again. It, it's so powerful. It's the third of the lifting up passages uh, that Jesus uh, is, is quoted in John's gospel as recounting what it means that he's lifted up. Listen to this again, this passage. We turned to this last week. Um, John chapter 12, verses 31 through 33. Now is the judgment of this world. Do you, do you hear this? Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. He's talking about Satan. And he's, as he prepares to go to the cross, he is declaring judgment and victory. Okay? Uh, the, uh, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world has been cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So he has overcome the world, and he's done that specifically by defeating Satan at the cross, 
and in the power of his resurrection. That's what he just said. And by being lifted up, remember John 3, 14, 15, uh, John 8, and now here again, the three times he talks about lifting up, being lifted up in John's gospel that we read about. So we're called to believe in him and take heart, to have strong hearts. Literally, the Greek there means to be courageous. Sometimes you get that translated, be of good courage. You may have kind of remember hearing that, some of you, as you read your Bible. Be of good courage. Take heart in Jesus. Um, C.S. Lewis says, courage is not simply one of the virtues. Courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point. You hear that? Courage is not just one of the virtues. It's the form that every virtue truly takes at the testing point. And in the testing, in the crucible, we are called to take heart, to be of strong courage in Jesus. You're challenged by temptations. You're challenged by medical reports. You're challenged by the girl that I like doesn't like me. Whatever is going on in your life. You don't get to start this year. You're the sub on the team. Fine. It's, it's all temporary stuff in this world. Take heart in Jesus, the one who gives everlasting peace and peace with power in this day and in this week. And take the heart test. You know, Chloe was talking about this earlier in her testimony, right? Um, don't love the world and the things of this world. Love Jesus. You know, don't, love, don't get your heart focused on the created things. Focus on the creator who gives you more than you can ever imagine into eternity. 1 John 2.15, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I mean, this is, this is the truth. James 4.4, 4, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. You cannot compromise and try to make everybody happy in the world, or even some of your friends who are with the world. You have to be different. Is that going to cause problems? Is that going to cause tribulation? Possibly. But he will carry you. Take heart in him. He's already won the victory. We give thanks for God. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. God gives us the victory in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus has already won the victory. Believe in him. This is the question of, do you have saving faith? Do you believe Jesus has won the victory over the world? Has Satan and has all the lure of the world been defeated? Yes, absolutely. And for you, spiritually Christian, you can make the choices for faithfulness in your personhood, for faithfulness in your sexual activity, for faithfulness in the way you manage your stuff, in faithfulness in the way you turn away from stuff and turn to the Savior. Absolutely. That's the heart test, and you can believe and trust in him. 1 John 5, 3 and 4, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. You, the victory is given to you. The, the, uh, again, the Greek word for overcome there means victory. Okay. It's Nike. It's, it's victory. You know, Nike, y'all know Nike, the sports stuff. Okay. Victory for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. He gives us faith to trust in him and be grounded in him. And the victory is already yours because he's already won the victory. Do you understand this? You follow him in the victory 
But the victory is already secured. It's already been achieved. The judgment happened. Satan has been vanquished. Satan wants to lure you back into the world, but Christian, you are not of the world. He has called you out of the world. Sure, you live and you, you witness in the world, but your heart and your soul are already with him. Which brings us then to number three, have peace in one. I mean, there's tribulation for all. There's tribulation in the world all over the place. Have peace in one, the son who is with the father. Jesus says, I've told you all these things so that in me, in me, you can have peace. You will not find peace in that next friend you really want, in that next job you really want, in that next million you want to make, in that next vacation home you want to own. It's not peace. The peace is in one person, in one thing, Jesus Christ. I've said all these things, Jesus says, talking about all of his ministry and what it means to believe in him. At the conclusion, he said, all of this I've taught you. So this, that in me, you can have peace. Now look, believe, I've already won the victory. I can give you eternal grace and all the fulfillment you would ever want. C.S. Lewis says, God cannot give us peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. There is no such thing. Peace and happiness for real only live and last in the Lord. Jesus says, abide in me. Remain in me, stay with me, and you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing, and you will have no good fruit. And those who don't stay in me, abide in me. All they are are dead wood, fuel for the fire, Jesus says. Don't be tempted. Jesus says, I, I've told you these things so you will not fall away. That's, that's back to John 15, right? Simone Weil, that, you know, grew up as an agnostic Jew, right, in, in, in France, in Paris, studies at the Ecole Normale and becomes captivated by Jesus. I mean, moves from Marxism to, to having all these grand philosophical thoughts about seeking after Jesus. Of course, she's, she's killed during World War II, you know, in the atrocities of the Nazis, uh, her starvation, but, but this quote from her is so powerful. I have it in the notes for you. Imaginary evil, Simone Weil says, imaginary evil is romantic and varied, but real evil is gloomy, monotonous, barren, boring. She says, imaginary good is boring, but real good is always new, marvelous, intoxicating. Do not be fooled. Teenagers, adults, don't be fooled. The evil looks exciting. It's not. Putin with this bare chest and the Ayatollah Khomeini getting together to, you know, to prosecute the war even further in Ukraine. It looks exciting to a lot of people. Look, it's not exciting. It's just boring and monotonous evil. Satan is boring. Hell is going to be very boring. You really don't want to get, I mean, it's, you talk about monotony. 
But with Jesus, everything is new always. Because when you know him and love him, he will set you free to fulfill what you ought to be. Real good is new and exciting every day. Morning by morning, new mercies I see in him. So Jesus says, again, back to this great discourse, I'm gonna give you one more passage. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives you do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He goes to make a place for you. Come to him, live with him. Real peace now and beyond the grave are in him alone. Be set free in that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.